Have you ever noticed how easy it is to just kind of get in a slump in life? How to kind of find yourself in a rut where you just kind of get in these cycles and these patterns that you don't really like, but you just kind of keep doing them over and over again. You know, for some of you, it's like you, you work all day and then you come home and, and you eat dinner and you're so tired and, and you turn on Netflix and for the next six hours you watch Netflix and you're like, I gotta quit doing this, right? But, but it's just the same cycle over and over again, right? Or, or for some of you, this is, this is marriage right now where you're just kind of in a rut, right? You're not connecting emotionally, you're not connecting sexually. You're not connecting spiritually. You're just kind of in a rut. And yet you look and you're going, man, nothing is changing. We're just kind of in this rut. Or, or, or maybe you, you feel this way about, like, you, 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 about the way that you're eating. You're like, I just don't feel good. I'm tired all the time. And, and yet you look at, and, and nothing is changing about the way that you're living. Have you ever found how easy it is to just kind of fall into these cycles that you don't really want to be in? Am I the only one? Have you guys ever been there before? And I go, what, what calls us out of these cycles that, that each of us we find ourselves in from time to time, right? It's not a matter of when, but if, right? We all fall into these patterns. And, and I believe what calls us out of these is, is a vision of something better, right? That, that something has to get our attention and spark our heart to, to show us that there is actually something more. There's something better for us to be living into. I remember uh, growing up, I'm from Kentucky, Big Kentucky basketball fan. I know Ben, big Kentucky fan. Any other Kentucky fans? Anyone else of you guys have good taste in sports? No one? Okay. So anyways, um, we, I would grow up and big Kentucky fan. And my dad and I got to go to this father-son basketball camp when I was in sixth grade. And 1996, just came off a national championship. Big year for Kentucky. And, and I remember a couple things about that camp. And we did these two-on-two -two scrimmages where me and my dad were scrimmaging, you know, other sons and their dads. And I remember this, like, this big, tall dad. And, and he, I don't, I don't remember what he did, but something happened. And my dad didn't like the way that he treated me. And so my dad, like, gets up and he's like, you're not going to treat my, my son that way. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I've never seen this side of my dad before. And, and, and I just remember, like, this, you know, uh, this side of him that, that came out. Um, but the reason I'm telling the story is this other part. I remember um, watching them practice. And there was something about watching them practice that it was like some, I've never seen anything like it before. That you have all these guys, Derek Anderson, Ron Mercer, who's a Nashville boy, any of you guys um, trace him, um, Nazi Muhammad. And I just remember these, these guys and, and there was never a slow moment in practice. That, that they were sprinting as hard as they could the entire time, that there was never any of this kind of lollygag and there was never any of this just kind of, you know, half doing it. It was sprinting from, from side to side that every drill, from one drill to the next, they were just all in the whole time. And I just remember the, the coach, who was Rick Pitino at the time, and he would just yell orders and everything that he would say they would do. And I just remember watching this practice, being fascinated as a sixth grader going, man, I've never seen anything like this before. And so as a sixth grade boy playing basketball, you know, I got my content Kentucky clothes, and it, and it changed the, the way that I practiced, right? That, 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 that I saw what was possible, and, and I would watch them play on TV, and I would see them full court press. You know, they play defense the whole game, full court, and I'm going, no one else was doing that, and I want to be like them. There was something about watching them practice that just inspired me. And so I came back and I'm like, I'm going to be in shape and I'm going to play hard. And every time there's a loose ball, I'm going to get it. And I'm not going to lollygag. And there was something about seeing something that was greater, seeing something that was better that invited me into something more. You know, I believe that, that for every person, for every person that's here this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter what rut you find yourself in, 
no matter how long you've been there, I believe that Jesus wants to lift you out. That Jesus wants to set you free. I believe that he wants to speak into your specific situation and he invites you to, to, to look at him, to get a vision of what is possible for your life. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter six. It's this prayer that Jesus gives to his disciples. He says, hey, when you pray, this is how I want you to pray. And we've been looking at it going, man, what can we learn from the life that Jesus lived? We learned a couple things that, that you and I were not to relate to God as some distant, almighty, you know, figure that lives up in heaven, but that the prayer begins and it says that we are to relate to God as Father. That when we come to God, that's the language that He wants us to use. It's this, this protecting, this, this loving Father who provides and cares for us, but, but He's also the King. So we looked at this reality that, that our father is the king, that there's nothing that he can't do. There's nothing that he's not in charge of. There's no power that he isn't ready to give at our disposal. Our God is the father who's the king. And we looked at last week this idea that, that this life that we are living right now is, is best meant to be lived in community. That when we try to live alone, when we try to live in isolation, you see this in the Lord's Prayer, our, our Father, and give us this day that, that so much about our life is, is worried about us and thinking about our problems and our needs and God is trying to lift our vision to go, no, you understand that, that this life is best lived when you understand that I'm not out to get you, that I'm your Father who loves you and that, that this life is best lived when you're living together. And, and this morning, we're gonna be wrestling with the question, but, but how do we live this life? Like, what is the purpose? Why have we been put on this planet? And I think Jesus answered this really well in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, this is what it says. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, I think what Jesus is doing here is, is he's, not just giving us a, a, a rote prayer to say before we go to bed at night. I think what Jesus is doing in this verse is he's giving us a vision for our lives. He's, he's giving us something to live for, something that, that shapes us, something that calls us out of the, the cycles that we don't want to be stuck in into something so much more. This sentence is, is loaded. It raises all kinds of questions. You go, man, well, what is the kingdom? Or what is the will of God? Have you ever wrestled with that question before? You know, people have, have written books and spent years researching this. There's no way I'm gonna be able to, to unpack all of that this morning, but I do wanna give us something. I want us to talk about the kingdom for the minute. I wanna talk about his will for a minute. And so let's talk about his kingdom just, just for a minute. And so Mark chapter one, Jesus shows up. He's 30 years old. He, he begins his public ministry in the, in the Middle East around Jerusalem. And, and, and this is what he says. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And what he was saying is that the kingdom of God, the, the reign of God, the influence of God, where God has authority, where God has power, where God is involved is not some distant future place or reality. It's here. It's at hand. It's among us. That the kingdom is, is, is not something that's just waiting. This, the kingdom is breaking in, in us and around us. But, but here's the thing, it's so different than anything else that we've seen in our lives. 
Maybe this will kind of help bring it down to the ground a little bit. My wife and I live out in Mount Juliet in Wilson County. Any of you guys live in Wilson County? No one? Awesome. And uh, <laughs> the thing about Wilson County is about this time of year, this thing comes to town called the fair. And, and people in Wilson County think it's like the greatest thing ever. Like, I'm not originally from Wilson County, so I don't personally buy into that, but it's, it's a great fair, you know. Uh, but, but, but people, I mean, Logan, you know this, right? You grew up there. And, and here, here's how crazy the fair is in Wilson County. They give away cars at this fair. Like you drive down Mount Juliet and there's like these cars that have signs on them, the car giveaway. I'm like, why are you giving away a car at a fair? I don't understand this, right? That, that people are driving down the roads and, and they've nominated themselves to, to advertise on their car for the fair. I'm going, I don't understand that, right? Like there, there's signs everywhere you go and, and then you show up to this fair and, and we, we throw up that picture, please. There's a, there's a picture I want you to see. Um, yeah, so these are my three kids. The one in the back is Finley, she's six. And then it's my son, Jones, and my little girl, Merritt. Merritt, you know, there's a height limit to these rides. And I think like on her tippy toes, she was able to ride them. And, and we watched her go through this like mini roller coaster and she had more fun than her sister and brother. This two and a half year old, fearless little girl. I just wanted you to see that picture. And, and so the, 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 the purpose of the fair, right, is, is, is something that wasn't there. It comes to town and then everything changes and everyone notices that, that, the, 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 that something has come to town, that something has changed. And the reality is that when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago and says the kingdom of God is at hand, something changed. Something shifted in this world about the way that we're to think and to see and to understand all of life. And I go, but do we even understand, like, what is the kingdom? And my guess is that if we went around the room, we would all have different understandings of, of what the kingdom of God is. And I go, man, do we even know what we're looking for? Campus pastor over at the cannery, Aaron, he and I were talking this morning and he was just writing out. He got in early this morning, he was just writing out, hey, the, I think that this is what the kingdom of God looks like. You're thinking about the life that Jesus lived. And if you look at the life that Jesus lived in the gospels, that, that these were things that, that would happen and then he would proclaim the kingdom of God has come near. And so listen, he wrote out 44 things. I want you to, to listen for ears to hear, listen to, to something that would speak into your life. And so this is what happens when the kingdom of God breaks into our lives, that the poor are cared for, that the hungry are fed, that injustice is pla- replaced with justice, that wrongs are made right, that sins are forgiven, that shame is erased, that guilt is removed, that abuse is abolished, that depression is lifted, that addictions are broken, that mental illness is cured, that anxiety is pushed out by peace, that fear is relieved, courage is the new norm, insecurities are made secure, weak are made strong, pain is relieved, comfort is received, the lost are found, the lonely find family, relationships are mended, light shines in darkness, trauma is healed, hope is restored, racism and bigotry are ended, hatred is silenced, love abounds, the greedy become generous, the sick are healed, paralyzed walk, blind see and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, demons are defeated, oppression is ended, corruption is crushed, war is forgotten, peace is endures. Lies are silenced with the truth. Sorrow is removed. Joy is unending. Bitterness is replaced with tenderness. Kindness is a new norm. Death is destroyed. Life reigns and God our Father sits on the throne with a smile on his face. Does anyone want to be a part of that? And yet we live in this tension. 
You look at the life that Jesus lived and everywhere he was going, this is what was happening. Dead were being raised, eyes were being opened, people were being set free from all kinds of attacks. And yet we live in this tension, right? We don't always see the kingdom. Right? Everywhere we look, the, the kingdom hasn't taken over, right? We, we look at our world and what do we see? We see death. We see sickness, we see disease, we see war, we see famine, we see racism, we see an abuse of power, we see greed, we see sin, and we see the brokenness in us that contributes to it all. Right, it's not just a problem out there so often. Where's the problem? We look at ourselves and we look around us and we go, man, I'm not seeing the kingdom. And so what we do is we try to make sense of that. We try to make sense of, of death and sickness and the, and, the, and the sin that just keeps coming up in our lives, the cycles that keep repeating themselves that we can't seem to shake. And we go, okay, well, it, it must be something that comes in the future. And what happens when you and I start to believe that, that the kingdom of heaven is something that is coming in the future and hasn't broken in right now is you and I start to live passionless, visionless, kingdomless lives. You see, the Bible, it, it actually, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, I think the Bible speaks very little about the future coming of heaven, right? It's not like 95% of this is, hey, just endure this life and then something else. It's not like the Bible is just kind of wetting our appetite. Hey, just endure this life, Aaron, and then, and then you'll get there. Just endure this life, Justin. Just endure this life and, and then you'll get there. No, the, so much of the scripture is speaking into our reality right now. That it's not this idea of, hey, just keep deferring hope. It's no, come alive right now. You see, when Jesus came and he said, the kingdom of God is at hand, that's the thing that he saved us into. And that's the thing that, that he called us to serve in. So what he's saying is that when we pray your kingdom come, what we're praying, what we're living, what we're wanting is that the power and the presence of Jesus would come in and transform all the places and all the people where the kingdom as a father intended, where the father intends it hasn't come yet. And so in our world, we look around and we, and we see addiction and we see anxiety and we see division and we see self-hatred and we see hatred of others and we see sin and we see sickness and we see fear and as the people of God do we just go well this is a part of the experience do we just kind of roll over and go man this is what it means to live in this world or do we understand what the scriptures tell us about Jesus in Hebrews 13 that he is the same yesterday today and forever that Jesus hasn't been stripped of his power he hasn't retired he hasn't met his match and been overthrown that his kingdom is here he keeps saying he keeps going your kingdom come your will be done he's teaching us to pray this Another word that can be used here instead of the word will is the word desire. It's the same Greek word. And I love that idea. Your kingdom come, your desires be done, God. My wife and I are in the process of becoming foster parents. And we took these classes, they're, they're called PATH classes, Parents as Tender Healers, and there's six of them. And, and one of the classes we showed up, and the very first thing that they did is they got us up out of our seats, and they, and they got us in this circle. 
And, and they tossed us the ball and they said, okay, hey, play the game. And we're like, what game are we playing? And, and so we'll just, we're playing this game. We're like tossing this ball and no, that's wrong. Like everything we're doing, no, that's not right. That's, that's wrong. And, and we're just tossing the ball. We're like, you haven't even told us what the purpose of this game is. You're just correcting us. You're, you're not even telling us what it is that you want. And I go, I think so many of us, man, that's, that's how we view God. Man, God's will feels so distant. That feels so foreign. That feels so confusing. Man, what is your will for my life? God, I can't even begin to think about it. But man, when you think about what, are, what is God's desire for you and for this world? I love John chapter six, verse 38. I think Jesus speaks into this really well. This is what Jesus says. I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, not to do my desires, but to do the will of of him who sent me. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. You see, the thing that the Father desires in this life is that every person believe in Jesus. That, that we believe in Jesus for, for our salvation, but we believe in him as the one best suited to, to lead our lives. You know you actually believe someone when, when you start to do what they say. That, that's how you know you actually believe in someone, right? Belief in Jesus isn't just, hey, do you accept the fact that he was a son of God, that he came and died? It's like, yeah, uh, a, a lot of you, I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of you, you're going, yeah, I, I, I could intellectually, mentally ascribe to that. I believe in that. But, but belief is so much more than, than just accepting a fact. Belief is when your life starts to accept it. Then it starts to become out in the practices of your life. This week, my car died and uh, the car battery died. And um, I popped the hood and this, this man pulls over to help me. He's super kind. And you know, he looks at my, I don't know very much about cars. This is the second week in a row I've had car problems, just so you know. So there's a, pa there's a pattern here. I need some, you know, Lee, I need you to come take a look at my cars for me. And, um, and, and so he pulls over and, and he looks at it and I'm trying to jump it. And he's like, oh, the problem is that you got all this corrosion around the, the battery terminals. And he's like, if you'll just take some Sprite and just pour it on it, like that'll clear it up. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about just pouring Sprite on my car battery, you know, right now, like, I appreciate the advice. And, and so I you know, get the car started and I drive to O'Reilly's and this guy comes out and he's looking and he tests my car. He's like, yeah, your car's battery's definitely dead. And he starts to look and he's like, so here's what's going on. He's like, your acid is coming out from the battery. It's actually eating away at the metal. And, he's, and he shows me these different places and I'm like, okay, not good. He's like, and this is actually how a car can just catch on fire, right? Like that, that this is not very safe. Like all this, this acid, this uh, acid that is built up around the terminals, it's not safe. In fact, it's pretty toxic. He's like, so here's what you need to do. You need to take some seltzer water, you know, and, and, and clean off all this stuff. And then you need to just take a water hose and clean all that off. And so, you know, I drive up to the office and Nana sees me walking up and she's like, do you need some help? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to keep my car from blowing up. And so, you know, and, and so I'm pouring all this seltzer water and, and I'm out there doing all this. And I realized, oh, I actually believe what this guy has to say. That, that there's something about me that actually trusts him. And the way that I know that's because I'm actually listening to him. That I'm putting into practice the things that he's saying. 
You see, Jesus doesn't just want you to, to intellectually believe that he's the son of God, that he died for you, that he's in heaven, just so that you, know, you can check that box and then go on about the rest of your life. No, the, the life of Jesus is meant to, to fill every part of your life. And when you understand that, that Jesus did come and, and in this life, man, he, he set people free. You know, some of you this morning, you, you, you've got this just, this voice in your head that is just a discouraging voice that over and over again just keeps telling you, you don't matter. You have no worth. No one cares about you. No one would notice if you're gone. Some of you come here this morning and you're being plagued by the enemy. I'm not saying you're possessed by the, the, a, a demon, but what I'm telling you is that the, the enemy is tormenting you. And Jesus, all throughout the scripture, would go to those people and he would drive out those voices so that you could understand the, the truth of who you actually are and what God says about you. That some of you, man, you're, 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 you're wrestling with some kind of physical infirmity right now. And, and, and you're just, you're going, man, I'm going to have to live with this the rest of my life. And yet you read about the life of Jesus. And Jesus didn't walk up to somebody and say, you know what? I haven't figured out how to heal that one yet. You see, when, when we understand what Jesus has come to do, the kingdom, it gives us a vision for living. So much more than, than showing up and just accepting that Jesus is God. No, it's accepting that, that he loves you. It's accepting that, that God isn't distant, that God wants to work in your life and through your life to advance the kingdom. So how do we pull this into our lives? talking with Kayla on Thursday. It's funny, you know, um, so often we, we talk about this, you know, living in the kingdom of God. And we're like, okay, do we just need to quit our jobs? And, and do we need to just neglect all of our responsibilities? Like, how do we live into this kingdom? And, you know, she was telling me a story about when she was in second grade and pastor at her church said, hey, tomorrow I want to, I want to encourage you to pray all day. And so all day, Michaela's trying to pray through school. Like the teacher's like asking her a question and she's like, sorry, I can't answer. I'm praying right now, right? And, 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 and it's funny because I go, how many of us, we, we, we think like that. We're going, okay, the kingdom of God means I have to just let go of everything that I'm doing. I have to, to let go of everything. And I go, no, I think the kingdom wants to come into everything. And there might be seasons where God calls you to, to go for a while and to set some things aside for a season. But I think the kingdom is meant to impact your real life. So three just quick ways I want to kind of put on our radar. We put up that first slide. The first is that, that we learn to pray this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God gave us this prayer. If this is a prayer that God gave us, what does that mean? It's a prayer that God wants to answer. God wants to bring God's kingdom. God wants God's desires to be done in this world. And so we pray this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. It reminds us that anything is possible for God. You know, we live in this tension between Mark chapter one, where Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. And yet we live in the tension between what Hebrews chapter two, verse nine says that, that everything hasn't been made subject to Jesus yet. We live in this tension that, that, that many of us, man, though you've been praying for healing, it hasn't come. That you've been praying for your parents' marriage to be restored and it hasn't come. 
that you've been praying for, for your sister who is just tormented by depression. You've been praying for it to be lifted and it hasn't come. And so what do we do? You know what the enemy wants us to do? Cody, what does he want us to do? To stop. You know, the, the enemy's most effective tool is if he can convince us that God doesn't care, that God's not gonna do anything. If you'll just quit, Nash, if you'll just quit. So what do we do? How do we live in this tension? Between praying these prayers and knowing the character of God and yet not seeing the ways of heaven fully infiltrate our world yet. We pray this prayer. We hold on to hope. You know, I was struck a couple months ago. We were teaching through the book of Acts and we were talking about miraculous healing. Talking about Peter and John one day healing this man who'd been lame from birth. And there was a guy that was here that morning that was in a wheelchair and he comes up to me after church and he says, I want God to heal me today. He's been in a wheelchair since he was five years old. He's now an adult male and, 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 and we're praying for him. We're gathering around him and we're praying and we get done and, 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 and he says, you know, nothing's changed and, and nothing had changed from his demeanor. He's like, I've been praying this prayer. I know that one day God is gonna heal me and I'm gonna keep asking. I'm gonna keep asking that God will heal me because I know my healing's coming. And I'm going, what faith? Man, we, we plead with God to bring his kingdom. God, restore my parents' marriage. God, would you restore my marriage? God, my kids are living in rebellion. Would you draw my kids back to you? God, would you lift the depression? And when we don't see it, we don't lose hope and quit. We remember that, that the kingdom and this fullness is coming. We know that it's a prayer that God wants to answer and we can't make sense of it. We don't quit, we don't lose hope, we keep praying. We pray this prayer. The second thing that we do is we partner with our Father to, ex to extend his kingdom. We partner with our Father to, ex to extend his kingdom. So what this means is that, that we pray for the sick. That, that when people are looking for physical healing, that, that we're the people that, that come with faith. I remember praying with Rob. Rob broke his foot a while ago, playing volleyball. You should see the other person, right? And, and I remember like he had this cast on. I just felt the Lord going, hey, you need to go up and pray for his, pray for his foot. And I'm like, God, that's so uncomfortable. But I went and prayed, right? And, and Rob sends me this email back like, hey, the, the, doc, the, the, the ankle, the foot healed way quicker than the doctors ever anticipated healing. And I'm going, that stuff happens. Jesus still heals people. There are people in this room that have been physically, miraculously healed. I know, I've seen it with my eyes. We pray for the sick. We pray for those who, we pray for the discouraged. Have you ever been just discouraged and down in life and someone prayed for you? Don't underestimate the power of your prayers. Like Burton, when you're at work and one of your coworkers is discouraged, so one of the things the enemy wants to remind, like, tell us is, man, they don't want your prayers. No, it's because they need your prayers. And there's something about the prayers where you just give your attention to this person and you invite the fullness of heaven to bless and to hold up. That is one of the best gifts that you can give somebody. And so I go, man, as a people of God, how do we partner with, with, with God to advance his kingdom? We look for people to pray with. 
We look for the lonely. As God's people, we're not just thinking about ourselves. That's what the world does. Who are the lonely? Who are those that don't have anyone to listen to them? Who are those that are going through this life by themselves? Those who, 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 who need comfort. That's how we partner with our Father to advance his kingdom. We take care of those in need. Man, when, when situations come up and opportunities arise for the people of God to come up and meet a need, we don't think about ourselves, we think about them because that's the way we want people to think about us if we were in that situation. How do we partner with our Father to advance his kingdom? We use our words to tell people about Jesus. And maybe you, you think you're under the impression that everyone in the city of Nashville knows Jesus, and that's just not true. This week I was having a conversation with this guy. There's a, this, this group of, this family, they're a Muslim family, and I'm just praying for them. And, and so I, I knew that I was gonna spend time with one of them, so I asked my wife, hey, will you just pray for me? Will you, will you pray that, that as I go in to spend time with them, that God will give me words. And so, you know, she's praying and she's like, hey, I feel like God gave me two different passages of scripture for you. So one of them was Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now hope is being sure uh, of, now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And she, and she shares this other passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it says, and if, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, we're we are foolish, essentially. We're still in our sins. And so I go into this place where I know I'm going to meet them and, and it's just me and, and this one guy. And, and so I'm struck up this conversation with him. I'm just kind of asking him of, uh, of, about, you know, he, he's in school right now and he's going to this Christian university, although he's Muslim. And so I'm asking him, hey, what's it like being a, a person of a different religion going to a Christian school? And he begins to tell me about that and and I'm going, but, and I know that you have, to, you have to take some religion courses. Tell me the difference that, that you believe, because in the Quran, you believe something very different than what we believe and the scriptures tell us about what Jesus says. And so um, what, have you, what, have, what are the differences? And he's like, oh, I mean, you know, a lot of the things are the same, the, the miracles. We just don't believe that, that he's the son of God. We don't believe that he, he, he's, he's, not part, he's not God. And I began to ask him, I'm like, but okay, so, so t- you believe in Jesus, what? Tell me a little bit more about that. And I'm said, as, as followers of Jesus, like as Christians, everything hinges on two things in the Christian faith. Everything, like if you boil it down to, it, it, it hinges on the death of Jesus and it hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. Right, that it's the death of Jesus where, where, where he died for our sins. That, that without Jesus' death, we're still walking around in sin. We're still walking around in shame. It's the death that satisfies that, but it's the resurrection that gives us hope. And he begins to tell me, he's like, man, we, we believe that, that Jesus actually didn't die. That the, the last minute, you know, someone else came and took his place and that he actually didn't die. And then he says this thing to me. He says, but I actually don't know what I believe. And I'm going, my friends, that there are so many people in this city and the enemy wants to tell us that, hey, everyone already knows about Jesus. No, they don't. Romans chapter 10 says that, that, that how are they going to hear about God unless we tell them? How are, we gonna, how are they going to understand who he is? And one of the ways that we partner with our Father to extend his kingdom is by telling them about Jesus. And the third kind of point, we pray this prayer, we partner with our Father, and then we proclaim the kingdom. 
This is what Jesus did. He'd heal the sick. This is what he told his apostles to do, Matthew chapter 10. Hey, when you heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God has what? Has come near. So when we see the kingdom in our world, you know, one of the reasons that we, we don't see the kingdom is because we don't acknowledge the kingdom. A couple of ways I want to just acknowledge the kingdom from this past week, the place that I saw the kingdom. Family from our church here came up to me last week and they found out about a family member here at our church that was in need. And they walk up to me and they say, hey, I want, to, I want to give this anonymously. I want to give this money. I know that there's someone in our church family that needs some help right now. And so I don't want them to know who it came from, but I want you to give this to them from me. And so I go home and I'm counting this money and it's $500. And I get to take it to this family member and say, hey, this, was, this is for you. That's the kingdom of God. When, when people are caring about and sacrificing for other people besides themselves, is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is breaking in. Last week, a girl that's been coming with Courtney and I, she's been coming here for a long time. She filled out a baptism card. You know, she was one of the first kids to start coming here at Marathon seven years ago, and now she's this 15-year-old girl. And next Sunday night, she's giving her life to Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is breaking in. That every time you share your faith, that every time you pray, that every time you, you walk in faith, even if you don't see healing, even if you don't see the breakthrough, the kingdom is coming in. Why? Because you are acknowledging who the true king is. And it's not you. And it's not me. So here's what I want us to do for the next few minutes. I want to put up these questions for us to, to discuss. And we do this as a church family. It's important that we do this, that we don't just hear the words, but we discuss them. We talk about, we, we think about, we think about how to bring them into our lives. And so I want to encourage you to, to get with two or three or four people around you that maybe you feel comfortable with and, and to ask these questions. So where do you need the kingdom to come into your own life right now? Right, and, and we all have things. So where do you need the kingdom? And then the second question is, so who in your life needs the kingdom? And is there something that you can do? And so let's take the next six, seven minutes, discuss these questions, two or three, four people around you. Pray, okay, so it needs to be quick. Don't just long, you know, don't, don't, don't just do that thing where you're, you're trying to stall to get to the real thing. Say where you actually need the kingdom. Say someone that, that needs the kingdom, pray for them. God meets us in our prayers and then I'll get back up in a minute and send us to communion. Does that sound good? Okay, let's do that right now. So let's circle up, answer these two questions and I'll get back up in a minute. Hey, I wanna pray for us and transition us to communion. And so um, if you're still sharing or praying, by all means, keep doing that. But I wanna let you know, we're gonna take communion here. We have a piece of bread and a cup of juice. And I just invite you to, to, as you're taking that, Dale and Tyler are going to call us back into worship. I just invite you to really just take a moment and to realize that because of the body, the broken body and the blood that was shed, you're forgiven, you're included, you're saved, you're good with God. And don't let that moment, don't let it just casually be taken. Think about the, the, what, what is actually happening when you do that. And so I want to.
pray.